Well, today is the final uh, Sunday in our four-week series, the Vision Series. Uh, If you haven't been here for any of the weeks of the series, I would encourage you to listen online or request a a CD. We provide those uh, for free, Uh, especially if you're a member here. We would really encourage you uh, to stay up to date with what's shared on Sundays. And especially this vision series has been an important one for our church. And so I really hope that you will take advantage of uh, getting up to speed uh, on what's been shared and appreciate you considering uh, doing that. The first week of the series, we talked about the importance of having a vision. And I hope that all of us are seeking a personal vision, a personal God-given vision uh, for our lives. Hopefully many of you have that, but if you don't, uh, I would encourage you to seek God for a a vision for uh, for your life. And I meant to bring the book up here with me, but... uh, I forgot, I forgot in the first service and I forgot in the second service too. Uh, But the book Visioneering by Andy Stanley, uh, I would highly recommend that to any of you who are interested in personal development and uh, developing a vision uh, for your life. Great book, very, uh, very helpful. The second week of the series, we shared the 2020 vision, uh, noting that it was grounded in and motivated by the Great Commission. And we noted that day that To see the 2020 vision fulfilled, it's going to require everyone buying into the vision. It's going to require persistence in the face of opposition. It's going to require discipline to stay focused in spite of distractions. And it's going to require each of us committing to remaining in Christ and relying on him, seeing him as our our source. Uh, By the way, copies of the 2020 vision should still be available on either side of the sound booth. If you are not familiar with what it is, uh, or you haven't picked up one of those, please do so on your way out today. We are asking you, if you're a member, to become very familiar with the 2020 vision. Do your best to commit as much of it as you can uh, to memory. And then last week I shared about aligning with the vision. Uh, Noting that aligning with the vision includes praying uh, for the vision that we shared. It includes a willingness to step out of our comfort zones. It includes everyone having a ministry. Uh, And we called that having a job. And the reason we call it job is because we want you to look at that as, as important and prioritize it and be as committed to it as you are your job, your vocation. Unless, of course, you're not that committed at your job, then that doesn't work, so never mind. Uh, but I think most of you are, and so, so we, we need to think of ministry in that same way. And we noted that aligning with the vision includes rejecting religious consumerism and saying yes uh, to serving. And so today what I want to do is spend a few minutes sharing some of the early action steps that we need to take to begin working toward the fulfillment Uh, of the vision. And I also want to remind us of our dependence on God. Uh, I've titled today's message, The 2020 Vision, Our Role and God's Role. And the message comes out of Proverbs 21, verses 30 and 31. I think those will be displayed on the screen behind me. And here's what those verses say. Two great uh, uh, passages of scripture, two great verses. There is no wisdom No insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Isn't that a great verse? The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. 
First, I want to draw your attention to something that is true of the 2020 vision, and it is true of absolutely everything in life. And it's the last section of verse 31, victory rest with the Lord. Victory, success, fruitfulness, fulfillment of the 2020 vision, fulfillment of your personal vision for your life, whatever descriptor you want to place on a preferred future, the success of that thing rests with the Lord. You know, many of us live quite often with the illusion of self-sufficiency. We live with the illusion that most things in our lives are within our control. And yet the reality, friends, is that none of us here this morning, not a single person in this room is even in control of your next breath. We should never approach plans in any area of life thinking that we control the outcome. Christians are people who understand that victory rests with the Lord. In the context of this verse in Proverbs, it is a, the context is a literal battle. Uh, armies facing off against each other, and the writer is aware of his need to prepare. But he's quite clear that his preparation in and of itself is insufficient. He understands that victory in battle rests with the Lord. So fruit, success, victory, this is God's role in every endeavor of our lives. When it comes to this 2020 vision, none of that is going to be fulfilled apart from God. Victory in this sense, fulfillment of the vision, the realization of the vision rests with the Lord. The reality is that the vision is too big for us. We cannot make it happen by the sheer force of our uh, will, by the force of our desire. I cannot make it happen by the force of my will. The fulfillment of the vision rests with the Lord. Edward Plumtree, a 19th century pastor and theologian in England, summarized verse 31 very simply. Nothing avails without God. Nothing avails. Nothing is accomplished without the Lord. And it's a lesson, an important lesson for every area of our lives. It applies to your career. Nothing avails without the Lord. It applies to your marriage. Nothing avails without the Lord. It applies to your parenting. Nothing avails without the Lord. It applies to the 2020 vision. Nothing avails without God. In every area of life, we are to be people who realize that that our lives, our future, the outcome of the things we desire is in God's hands. We accomplish nothing in our own strength. We are entirely dependent upon him. But while victory rests with the Lord, Proverbs tells us, the horse must be made ready for the day of battle. And here's a truth. God doesn't do that. That's our role. God's role is victory. Our role is preparing for the battle that will result in victory. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. Yes, victory rests with the Lord, but the soldier needs to make appropriate preparations. 
He has to train his horse. He has to feed his horse. He has to make sure his horse is well-rested and and healthy. And I I didn't do much research on exactly how they saddled their horses uh, at this particular time, but just work with me a minute. The the soldier has to put a saddle on his horse, and he has to put a a bridle on his horse. And, And so there are things that he must do. God's not going to do those things for him. Victory resting with the Lord doesn't negate the soldier's role. And victory resting with the Lord doesn't negate that we are to make preparations for the battle, that we are to prepare for victory, that we are to prepare for success. So victory is God's role, but preparation is our role. And again, this applies in every area of life. You cannot secure your dream job without God's providence, without God opening a door for you. But you can pursue education that equips you for the job. You can't guarantee a promotion at your, uh, at your business, but you can work so hard and skillfully that you are deserving of a promotion. You can't guarantee that your kids are going to follow Christ when they uh, become adults, but what you can do is raise them in the love and the fear of the Lord increasing the chances that that they will follow the Lord. You can't, by the force of your will, bring about healing in your marriage, but you can cooperate with God to become a better person yourself. How many of you know we can't change our spouses? Have you tried? Have you tried? Yeah, tried. See, some people putting two hands up. They've tried really hard. The only person we can change is ourselves. And so while we cannot guarantee healing in a marriage, we can choose to allow God to work on us, make us a better person, and then that can help toward healing our marriage. We cannot save anyone. None of us are able to to, to save anybody, but we can bear witness to Christ. We can choose to share our faith. That is within our control. We can tell people about Jesus. We can't on our own secure the fulfillment of the 2020 vision, but we can plan and work and plan and work some more. And we can give our all, do the best we can to see the vision fulfilled. And so Proverbs 21.31 can properly be summarized with a common saying that most of us are quite familiar with. Do your best and trust God. Okay, you're a little better than the first service. Do your best and trust God. There you go. We do know that. Proverbs 21, 31 affirms the saying. We are called to prepare the horse for battle. We're called to preparation. We're called to do what we can. We are called to do our very best. But then we're called to trust God for what we cannot control. And that's the outcome. Victory rests with the Lord. And so something I want to be really clear with you all about regarding the 2020 vision is I'm not asking anybody to get all tense and red-faced about the 2020 vision. I'm not requiring anybody to like white-knuckle the 2020 vision as if it all depends on us to get it fulfilled. It is God who brings victory. But what I am asking us to do is to prepare. 
What I am asking us to do is to give our best. What I am asking us to do is to work hard, to to buy in and do what we can to the very best of our ability. And at the end of the year 2020, if we have given our very best, first of all, I believe we'll see the vision fulfilled. But if we've given our very best, no matter where we are at toward the fulfillment of the vision, we will be able to trust God with what the results have been, knowing that fruit, success, victory is God's role. And so with that scriptural foundation, I want to briefly share four things that are our responsibility as it relates to the fulfillment of the 2020 vision. Four things that are within our control to act on. Four things that we can do to prepare for and serve the fulfillment of the vision. The first one, and the most important one, is that we can cultivate a vibrant personal relationship with Christ. I am fully persuaded that the most important thing for seeing the fruit we'd like to see over the next few years is each of us walking closely with Christ, being filled up with Christ, being full of the Holy Spirit. So often our effectiveness is limited because we allow ourselves to become disconnected from our power source. We're like a car with no fuel. You know, a car is a powerful piece of machinery, but without fuel, it really can't do a whole lot. It's really not worth a whole lot. It just doesn't do much. A few years ago, um, my family and I uh, bought a, a van, and it was a used van. There was nothing really all that fancy about it. It was a 2008 Chevy Uplander. But for us, it had some things that we had never had in a vehicle before. It had leather seats. It had a DVD player. It, it, it was really kind of cool inside. There was just one problem. It didn't run. <laughs> I mean, it ran until we got it home. And then it didn't run. And we went back to the dealership. And it's a, it's a good dealership. Godly people, they tried. But, but after like... Two, three, I think it was three attempts at fixing it, it just would not run. And so finally I said, we've got to just take this thing back and be done with it. And my kids were like, well, look, here's the thing, Dad. There is still a use for this van. What is it? Well, we can go out and sit in it and watch DVDs. but that's not what it's for. It needs to get us someplace. We're like a car with no fuel oftentimes. We, 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 we don't have power. We are children of the Most High God. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. Every one of you who have submitted to Christ as Savior and Lord, you have incredible God-given gifts, incredible God-given potential. But many of us are trying to serve without anything in the tank. We're trying to, to witness and share the love of Christ without anything in the tank. And it does not work. We are not effective for the kingdom of God when we're serving 
with an empty tank. The tank has to be full of fuel. And our fuel is the Holy Spirit. Our fuel is Christ in us, the hope of glory. To be effective, we have to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be overflowing with the Spirit, serving not in our own strength, but in His strength working through us. And we can't do this unless we purposely, intentionally cultivate the kind of relationship with Christ that results in being filled with the Spirit. And so I'm asking every person here, myself included, to to commit for your own good, for the good of your family, and for the good of fulfilling the vision that we have as a church to cultivate a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's no secret to how this is done, okay? It includes a word that we don't like, but there's no secret. It's very clear how this is done. It is done by practicing spiritual disciplines, that enable us to live this kind of life. Spiritual disciplines place us in a receptive posture to be able to receive from God and to be filled with God's Spirit. They are those basic things. You know, we all look around and say, you know, give me something nobody's ever thought of to stay connected to Jesus. Well, there there isn't anything. These are the things that exist to stay connected to Jesus. Prayer, Bible reading, Worship, which we're doing together this morning. Community. Service. You know, service is often an overlooked way of being in a receptive posture uh, with God. We think that when we serve, we're really doing something. And, And we are. But serving is another way that we put ourselves in a receptive posture. We receive from the Lord. We are strengthened by the Lord as we serve other people in his name. And stewardship. Surrendering every area of our lives to God, our time, our talent, our treasure, all of these things as we do them, they put us in a position to receive from the Lord, to be filled up by his spirit. Regularly scheduling time alone with God, investing in the relationship, shutting out distractions and saying, fill me again, Lord Jesus. I'm empty. I'm I'm running on fumes here, God. I need you to fill me up again. There is nothing more important for our personal fruitfulness and our fruitfulness as a church than each of us cultivating a vibrant relationship with Christ. Here's the second thing that is a form of preparing the horse for battle. Each of us need to embrace evangelism as an essential responsibility of the church collectively and each of us individually. We need to be personally sharing our faith. And in doing these things together, all of us together, we need to become a church that has an evangelistic culture. This is within our ability to do. This is something that we can do. We cannot guarantee the results of our evangelistic efforts, but we can choose to be a church with an evangelistic culture. We can choose to be people who personally evangelize. We can begin to share our faith. And this has to happen. It just has to. It has to happen for us to be faithful to the Great Commission. It has to happen for us to have any credibility when we say that we care about the things that God cares about. 
God cares about people who are far from him. And let's be honest. Any church that doesn't embrace evangelism and the Great Commission, it is just a matter of time until that church dies. Now, the continuation of any one local church is not the proper motivation for evangelism. The salvation of lost people and and faithfulness to God are the motivations. But it remains true that churches that don't embrace evangelism die. Bearing witness for Christ, sharing our faith, telling of what God's done for us, this is our God-given mission. And the truth is that we can choose to do evangelism. We can choose to embrace evangelism. It is a prepare the horse for battle thing. And I'm asking each and every one of us to do this. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in a few weeks, but let me appeal today for the first and easiest way that you can begin participating in evangelism, and that is by simply beginning to invite people to church. I want to share what I think is a very interesting, in many ways a very encouraging, but also a very sobering bit of information with you. Uh, According to Charles Arne and Gary McIntosh, who are two very well-respected researchers of all things related to the Christian church, here's what they tell us. For a church to grow by 5% a year, here's what has to happen. The church has to have the same number of visitors in that year as what the average weekly Sunday attendance of the church is. And so for us, our average attendance on a Sunday last year was 270 people. And so for us to grow by 5% to end this year averaging 284 people, we need to have 270 guests visit with us this year. Here's why. The average church in the United States loses 10% of its congregation each year. People move. People feel led to go to other churches. Uh, People decide they don't like the pastor. It doesn't happen here very often, but it has been known to happen. Uh, People quit church for any variety of reasons. They just quit altogether. There are many things that happen. So a church with 270 people, but with no visitors in an average year will shrink to become a church of 243 people if no one new is coming to the church. By the way, those of you who get concerned every time we go through a season where a few folks uh, leave the church and you become convinced that it is evidence that something is wrong in the church, you need to be encouraged that it's not an indicator of anything wrong at all. Uh, Pretty much every church that you can ever look into, they're losing 10% of their members a year. It's just the way that it is. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is that way. And so if we don't want to be losing ground, if we don't want to be getting smaller, if we want to grow by 5%, we have to have 270 guests visit in a year. Here's why. While you'll lose 10% of your members, research suggests that 15% of those who visit your church will eventually become a part of the church. And so you lose 10%. That takes you, in our case, to 243. But then you gain 41 members uh, from your 270 uh, visitors. That is a 5% growth. You end the year with 284 members. Now, 
Those numbers in and of themselves may not seem that important to some people, except you have to remember this, that some percentage of those people will be folks who commit to Christ for the very first time or recommit to Jesus after not having walked with him for years. So here's the deal with us. This year, what we would like to do is grow by 8%. Now, that may not sound like a lot to you. In our first five years as a church, we grew 15 to 20%. So in comparison to that, it doesn't sound like a lot. But it seems like more when you realize that over the last few years, just being honest with you, we have just kind of stayed even as a church. We haven't gone down, but we haven't gone up. It's just, it's just kind of been even. And so when you realize that, then the 8% seems like we have some, some work to do. So remember, 15% of visitors will connect with the church. And here's what this means. To grow by 5%, a church our size needs to extend 529 invitations to church. This is calculated by assuming that an average family unit that visits our church is three people. So some uh, single folks are going to visit, some couples are going to visit, some very large families are going to visit. But on average, this is figured, uh, we're uh, figuring an average of three people per family unit. So that means that we need 90 family units to visit our church in this coming year to grow by uh, the, the, the 5%. To get those 90 family units to visit... Uh, we need to extend the 529 invitations that I mentioned because approximately 17% of people we invite will accept our invitation. Are you staying with me? I'm getting lost in my own statistics, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's, uh, it's making sense. But since we want to grow by 8% instead of 5%, we as a congregation need to extend 635 invitations to church this year. Give or take a little bit, that is roughly five invitations per family unit in our church. That ought to be easy. I was pretty certain I'd get an amen there. Uh, (laughs) Should each family unit in our church over the course of a year, be able to invite five people slash family units to church. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What if we got really crazy? What if we pretended for a minute that each family in this church could somehow extend one invitation per month? That is crazy talk, isn't it? That's crazy talk. (laughs) One a month, 31 days. On one of those days, you invite someone to church. What would happen? Well, if the research proved accurate in our setting, which we have no reason to think it would not, instead of growing by 8% this year, we would grow by 43%. You see how powerful, simple invitations to church can be. And so here's the point. The easiest evangelism activity you can do is to simply invite people to church. And so this year, we are going to start holding one another accountable 
to inviting folks to church, for inviting people to church. We're not sure what that's gonna look like yet. Not sure what the mechanism of accountability is going to be, but we're going to find a way to hold each other accountable for inviting folks to church. It is going to happen. And so don't wait. Start inviting people. God honors this kind of effort. He breathes on it and he produces fruit from these kind of simple activities that are within our power to do. So we cultivate a vibrant personal relationship with Christ. We embrace an evangelistic culture and begin sharing our faith. And here's the third thing. We have to choose to reject complacency and have a godly desire for more. A godly desire for more. You know, as a Christian, if we're always desiring more money or more clothes or more entertainment or more cars or more possessions, that's a, that's a form of desiring more that is spiritually concerning. And I say that as a person who firmly believes that God does not call us all to live in poverty. I, I do not believe that. And yet at the same time, if we are always just hungering for more and more and more stuff, it is spiritually a very concerning condition. But desiring more of the things that are good and pleasing to God, desiring more for God's kingdom, that is an appropriate desire for more for Christians, and we all need to have that. The sad truth is that a lot of Christians desire more stuff, but they don't desire that much more of things that are pleasing to God. It is always appropriate to have an insatiable appetite for more as it relates to God's purposes in the world. Christians ought to have an insatiable appetite for more salvations, more baptisms, more healed marriages, more growing Christians, more children in Sunday school to influence for Christ. And look, complacency, when it comes to the things of God, complacency, when it comes to the mission of God in the world, is a real problem. God wants more people to be saved. God wants more people growing in their faith. God wants more kids being influenced for his kingdom. And so if you find yourself feeling complacent, not motivated by anything that has been shared over the past couple of weeks, not excited about the prospect of bearing more fruit for God's kingdom, not into preparing for the battle in these kind of ways, you need to choose today to reject your complacency. And if you have to admit if an examination of your own life causes you to have to admit that you are complacent regarding the things that God values, then it is very possible. In fact, I would say it's almost certain that the reason this is so is because there is lacking in your life a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus. And so then you have to go back to number one that we talked about today. And you have to choose to invest in having a vibrant personal relationship with Christ. So here's the fourth thing we need to do. Our role, how we prepare the horse for battle, everyone who is part of Vineyard must commit to a ministry. Everyone needs to be engaged in ministry here at the Vineyard. Many of you are. If you are, God bless you and thank you. 
If you are not, I say this gently, I say it kindly, I say it respectfully, I say it insistently. (coughs) Tough crowd. (laughs) It is time to step up. It's time. It's time to start saying yes. It is time to step up and get involved. And if you don't know how to do that, it's really quite easy. You can simply contact the ministry leader, the ministry that you're interested in. If there's some reason why you can't do that or trying that doesn't, uh, you know, yield any, uh, anything for you, then all you have to do is give me a call. Email me, call me, email, call Pastor Ben. One or both of us will get together with you and we will help you figure out where is a good starting place for service uh, for you. Again, many of you are, but those of you who aren't, I appeal to you, stop making excuses. This is something that God expects of all of us. This is our part. This is our role. This is what we can do. This is what is within our power to do. Victory rests with the Lord, but preparing the horse is our role. And serving in ministry is a preparing the horse for battle function. It's our part, and we need to fulfill our part. So we do our part while remembering that victory rests with the Lord, while remembering that nothing avails without God, We do what we can, we do our best, we do it relying on God, we do it trusting God with the results. And there's something else that we need to remember, it's found in verse 30. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Edward Plumtree summarized verse 31 as nothing avails against God, and he summarized verse 30 as nothing Uh, I I messed that up. Nothing avails without God. And he summarized verse 30 as nothing avails against God. Nothing avails without God. Nothing avails against God. This is a great truth that we need to embrace and that I hope each of you will be encouraged by. If we take care to be on God's side, to value the things that God values, to give ourselves to the things that God cares about in the world. If we give ourselves to serving what pleases God, there is no scheme of man or the devil that is going to prevail against the Lord. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Why don't you stand?